Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. There's a portion of scripture I want to read, and uh, it's found in the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms. Um, the book of Psalms is, is the Hebraic hymn book. Okay, back in the days when we grew up in church, the churches had a hymn book. We, we, I don't know if you remember, we would go to church with a Bible and a hymn book. Inario de Gloria, página 91. En la cruz, en la cruz, do primero, yeah, I know about that. Anyway, okay. So you would go to church, you would go to church, literally, you would go to church with a Bible. Does anybody know what a Bible looks like? It's a book, right? It's a black book, and it says Holy Bible in the front. <laughs> and then it has 66 books inside. Um, uh, so we would go to church with a Bible in one hand, and then we had this little thing called the hymn book of glory, Mario de Gloria. And we were literally, because we didn't have screens back in them days. So we had to read the Bible, and then we had to get the hymn book and read the book and sing the book. And so that's how church used to be. Well, in the times of the Bible, in the times of, of Israel, the times of Psalm, the Psalms was a hymn book. It was a hymn book. So uh, it, it was a type of book that... The song contained all types of song. It had songs of trust, songs of thanksgiving. It had songs of lament, songs of wisdom, songs of God's kingship and his covenant, uh, imprecatory psalms. Uh, it had songs like when, when you were mad at somebody and you wanted God to kill somebody, you would sing those songs. Oh, Lord, kill him. You know, Lord, step on my enemies and let them be a footstool upon me. I mean, there were songs for everything. Okay, you had songs, the Mictum Psalms, and I'll, I'll preach that one day. You had the songs of ascent, accent, and that's whenever you read the book of Psalms, there's usually a little word on the top that says Selah. So those are, those are all kinds of different types of songs that you would sing. You had historical song, psalms, liturgical psalms, uh, how to proceed into the, it was just a gap. So depending the type of service and depending the environment of the service, you would sing that song. So it wasn't just singing to sing, it was intentional singing. And so, and, so, and so David, who was king, who wrote, I would say, 76 of the 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. 70 wrote, uh, David wrote about 76 of them. And he writes all kinds of psalms, different types of psalms. But the one I want to address on today is Psalms chapter 1. And I'm going to try to reconcile that with Psalms 150, if time allows me to do so. Uh, it didn't in the first service, so, um, you know. Uh, but Psalms 1 and Psalms 50, there, there's, there's a cleavage between them both that I'm going to try to merge them together. Uh, both Psalms, written by David, both Psalms contain six verses. Both Psalms has an end. Both Psalms. I think Psalms chapter 1 shows us what we need to do in the natural, in the physical, so that when we live out Psalms 150, we have the spiritual effect of the practicum in chapter 1. And, and I'm going to try to do that, and if I don't, well, then I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll email you my outline, and you can preach it to yourself. So David writes Psalms 1. But he doesn't write it. <clears throat> he doesn't write Psalm 1 while he was a shepherd boy. He doesn't write it. It's, it's, it's a whole different dynamic. Psalms 51 
David writes it before he's king. Psalms 51 is the chapter that David writes when he commits sin. He kills Uriah's wife. He has sex with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. She has a baby. God says, because you've sinned, your first, that baby's going to die. The baby dies. Right? But he writes Psalms 51 when the prophet confronts David and says, you are a sinner. You are a murderer. You have killed. Then he writes, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. Cast not me away from me. And he starts writing a chapter, Psalms 51, which is a song of forgiveness. So this psalm, he writes it before he sits on the throne. Psalms chapter 1, he writes it after he sits at the throne. He's already king. That's another thing. You can't, you can't read the Psalms and say, because ch Psalms chapter 1 is the first chapter. Chronologically, that's the order. No. The, the, they're written. You can't read Psalms chronologically. But by chapter 1, David is now seated at the throne. And he's going to show us and explain to us from his point of view and from his perspective what it is to be blessed. Now, he's king. He's sitting in the throne. He's got waiters with them feathers giving them AC, right? He's got a, a chick with grapes and he's eating up of the grapes, right? He's living life in the context of what we consider to be blessed. And he's going to tell us what it is to be blessed. And I, and I, and I, I put that undergird because I want you to see that a blessed man, quote unquote blessed man, is going to show us what it is to be blessed. So today I'm going to talk about the blessed man. In Psalms chapter 1, he writes, I, I, like, I like David. Because David lived both sides of the tracks. He was a pauper and he was a king. And I identify with David because, because you know, when God found me, I, 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 was, I was jacked up like David. But the encouragement I, I find in David is that David can look at my, can look at his past and look at his experiences and look at his rejection and look how his fathers didn't want him and his brothers talked about him and, and, and all of that. And, 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 and from the other side of victory, David makes some, some declarations and he makes some, 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 he affirms his position in God. And he does it from the context of his perspective on being blessed by the Lord. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to lay that foundation so you can grab that as I read. Because David wasn't always royalty. David wasn't always king. David knows what it was to struggle. David knows what it was to be persecuted. He knows it. So if I'd have been David, I'd have been blessed as a man who lives in Windermere, who has a yacht. Blessed is a man who no longer has to be taking care of sheep. Blessed is a man who no longer has to be living life, you know, in the backside of the desert. No, 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 no. He, he's going to tell us 
what it is to be blessed. And Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Blessed is the man. Now, now listen to this. I would, you know, I would think David would say, Blessed is a man who plays, who prays seven hours a day. Blessed is a man. Right? Who cast out devils. Blessed is a man who read the Bible. Blessed is a man. You would think that if he's going to tell me what it is to be blessed, he's going to tell me the things to do to be blessed. But David doesn't do that. David does the opposite. He says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the sways of the sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers. Time out, David. I, I, don't tell me what not to do. Tell me what to do. If you're going to tell me what it is to be blessed, you know, it, it, it's just like if, 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 if you say, Pastor, well, how do I become rich? Well, here, save, invest, right? And buy. David don't do that. David says, if you want to be blessed, don't do this. I don't care. <laughs> tell me what to do to make <laughs> He says, he says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, that not stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So today I got four points I'm going to share with you all. And one is the path of the blessed believer. Number two, the pleasure of the blessed believer. Number three, the prosperity of the blessed believer. And number four, the position of the blessed believer. The path. The blessed believer is separated in his walk of life. David says, Sitting at this side of the throne, he's saying, if y'all want to know what it is to be blessed, here's the answer. Do not walk on the road or in the path of sinners. He says, if you want to be blessed, here's, here's the criteria to live a blessed life. Walk life separated from sinners or from sin. In other words, he's saying, don't believe like the wicked. He's saying, don't behave like the wicked. Because as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 15, 5, 15, 17, if we are in Christ, then we're a new creature. If I'm in Christ, I have to live a life different. If I'm in Christ then I, the Gabby before Jesus, is dead. You know when you got saved? When you got saved, your salvation was a funeral service. When you got saved, you died. 
when you got saved, when you said, Jesus, I give you my heart, and you made that confession of salvation, you know who died that day? You and I. And we buried the old man. And we took on this thing called the new life in Christ. And so if I am in Christ, then that means that the old me is buried. And so unfortunately, many people live their Christian lives in a cemetery. They keep going to the grave and opening up the grave and let the old Gabby come out and he'll come out Monday through Saturday and we put him back in the grave and go to church on Sunday and we're living a life in the cemetery, taking the dead out. The Bible says if you want to be blessed, you cannot walk among the sinners and the dead. The old man has to be put away. He's got to be buried. He says, David is saying, you cannot expect to be blessed walking with a dead, sinful nature in your back. You can't expect to be blessed. You can't expect to walk life in the blessings of God, carrying on your back a dead you that God crucified on the cross, that God died at the cross for. This is David telling us, if you understand that blessing is not do this, do this, do this, you're blessed. No, he's saying stay away from this, stay away from that, and stay away from the other. And eventually you will experience a blessed life. And I don't know if you noticed the progression of chapter 1, verse 1. Because there is a downward progress. He starts off saying, blessed is a man who does not walk. And then he says, and does not stand. And then he ends up saying, and does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Because that's the enemy's objective. The enemy's objective is to transition you from walking to standing. And transition you from standing to sitting. So that ultimately he can put you in a place where you can no longer move towards where God wants you to go. God is saying, if you want to experience blessing, you cannot, de you cannot go backwards. You've got to continue to move forward in your journey with God. From walking, walking means companionship. Pass my boy, yeah, we're going to go to the mall together. Companionship. From walking to standing, standing is, I got your back. Sitting in the times of the Bible was, it, was, was intimate. It was a type of covenant. When Jesus sat at the table with his 12, covenant. Sitting implies I'm making a covenant. Sitting implies, because in the times of the Bible, not everybody could go to your house. Uh-uh. Only the most intimate people will sit down at the table. And what God is, what David is telling us, listen, if you want to live a life blessed, you can't be making covenant and sitting down with sin and sitting down with the mockers and sitting down with the scornful and sitting down with unbelievers and people that are keep dragging you back to the past. You've got to understand there's an agenda from the enemy towards your life to keep you sitting Seated at the seat of the scornful. David is saying, you want to be blessed? You better not sit down. That's what happened to Lot in, in, Lot in Genesis chapter 19. Lot is Abraham's nephew. And God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he told Abraham, Abraham, leave your land, your kindred, 
the house of your father and go to a land I'm going to promise you. Follow me. And what did Abraham do? He started walking with God and walking with God and walking with God. When Lot saw that Abraham was walking with God, what did Lot do? Lot started following Abraham because Abraham started following God. And as long as Lot was following Abraham, Lot's life was blessed because Lot was in obedience to his uncle and his uncle was in obedience to his God. But what happened when they got to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, when Lot saw that the land of Sodom and Gomorrah was beautiful, he said, I don't need to follow Abraham no more. I'm just going to follow myself. I'm going to go myself into this place called Sodom and Gomorrah because the land looks green. The pastures are green. It is a very, a very, a very lucrative city and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be part of them. And he walked into Sodom. He stand in Sodom and ultimately sat in Sodom. And you know what happened in the Bible when Lot decides to sit with the Sodomites? His wife turned into a statue of salt. He had sex with his daughters. And they lived a life of horrible consequences. Because whenever you walk, stand, and sit with the enemy, you become paralytic. You become a salt, a saltly monument. You get stuck. Whenever you sit down in sin, whenever you sit down in, 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 in the justification of your sin, whenever you sit down like that, you know what happens? You begin to stay stuck while everybody's moving and you're having all this stuff in your environment. The Lord is saying today, church, blessed is the man that does not walk, that does not stand, that does not sit with the sinners, with the scornful, and with the mockers. That's what it is to be blessed. You know, many of us, we're, we're in pursuit to God's blessings. And we're saying, Lord, bless me with a house and bless me with a hubby and bless me with a wife and bless me with a ministry and bless me with this and bless me with that. And we got the blessing all twisted. The blessing is not the thing. The blessing is who are you walking with? The blessing comes as you stay walking with Jesus. The blessing comes as you stay in proximity with God. You want to experience blessings. I dare you walk with the Lord. The path of a blessed believer. Let me tell you about the pleasure of the blessed believer. The path is walk with God. Don't walk with the scornful. Don't walk with the sinner. And don't walk with the mockers. That's the path. The path is walk with Jesus. Walk the Jesus road. Now the pleasure of the blessed believer is in verse 2. He says, blessed but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. David says, there is something about the word of God that brings pleasure and delight to oneself. There is something, listen, there is something about the word of God that brings pleasure to your most horrific experience in life. Listen, I've lived life, and I'm still living life, and life has been highs and lows and in-betweens. And I've been through my worst moments, but in my worst moments, not having the resources, not having the friends, not having the people that thought were going to be there for me. In my worst moment, the Word of God became pleasurable, and it became a healing into my soul that I was able to keep on walking in the middle of the storms of life. We're talking about the pleasure 
of a blessed life anchored in the word of God. David says, David says, here is my delight. It ain't, it ain't the palace. It ain't the king. It ain't the, 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 the concubines. It ain't the grapes. My delight is the law of the Lord. The blessed believer is genuinely and completely in love with the word of God. Do you love God's word? Are you enamored with the word of God? Are you in love with God's word? Do you spend time in the book called the Bible? Pastor, I don't read that. You know, that's, that sounds mad fake. How could, how could a fish swallow a man? Don't make no sense, Pastor. How could water come out of a rock? For some, for some, the Bible is a book of fables and myths. For some, it's a book of legends. But to the child of God, the Bible is the very words of God. It is the truth of God to mankind. It is what Paul says in Timothy. It is God breathed. It is inspired word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is absolutely perfect. And when you understand the power of God's word, you don't read the word. Just read it. You're reading life. We need to fall in love with the word of God. We need to fall in love with God's word. I could fall in the trap, church, of reading the Bible because I have to preach. I could fall in the trap. You can fall in the trap of reading the Bible because you got to give a class. You can fall in the trap of reading the Bible, you know, because, because right before you do this, I got to read the word. No, no, no. When you fall in love with the word of God, I'm not reading the word of God to preach a sermon. I'm reading the word of God to know the heart of God. When I read the word of God, I'm like, God, you're going to speak to me today. And I want to hear what you have to say to me. Let me tell you, there is value in God's word. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you, the dust out of it, and opened it, and said, God, today I need to hear your word. I need to hear your voice. There is so much value in God's word. Matter of fact, the Bible for many is what we call food. Job chapter 23, 12. Job, when he lost everything, when he lost everything, the only thing Job had was the word of God. And he declared that God's word was food for him. I don't know how many of you guys been, have ever been through a struggle. But there's something about going through a struggle that you have the word of God that it feeds your spirit. But unfortunately, y'all, we feed more the flesh or this body than we do our spiritual person. Think about it. Y'all woke up this morning. If you're Puerto Ricans, you had coffee. If you're white, you got Starbucks. Right? <laughs> If you're, if you're African-American and black, you got, what, what you got? I don't know. Coffee? I don't know. Bustelo? No, no. Uh, what is it? Was that coffee? I forgot. Anyway. Right? If you're Dominican, you had a morning soñando, right? Oh, pero que lo que? Oh, oh. Right? Right? Some of you are already thinking what you're going to eat for lunch today. Some of you already made reservations. 
Some of you already have the meat out the fridge freezer and put in the, in the, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, take it out of the freezer. You know, <laughs> you're ready to eat. And some of you already bought your dessert. It's already, in the, it's already in the cupboard. You're ready. Your whole eating day is set. When was the last time you fed your spirit? If you were to feed your spirit as much as you feed your body, but some of us, our spirit is so anemic, anorexic, and bulimic, because we only feed them once a week. Ima imagine if you ate food once a week. How do you look? Like a fish. But the word of God is bread. The word of God. The word of God, Job says, is food. Here's another one. For those of you that are new in the Lord, the Bible says that the word of God, based on 1 Peter 2, 2, the word of God is milk. Because in the Lord, you have baby Christians and you have mature Christians, people that know Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin, and whatever. And then you have those that all they know is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? The word of God is milk. As if to say, God breaks down the word in a way that the most theologically inclined and the most illiterate can find nutrition in the word of God. So whether you've been in church 20 years or 20 minutes, the Lord is saying the word of God can be that milk for you. And God's going to give you what you need for that moment so that you can grow up strong and healthy. He wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be equipped. So he says, my word could be food for the great and the big and the strong, but it can be milk for the baby in the Lord. And I want you to know that God's intention with his word is that you don't stay a baby for the rest of your life because at some point you need milk and similac and infamil, but there comes a point that you grow as you grow in the spiritual relationship with God. So he says, it's milk. He says, it's food. He says the word of God is honey. Honey. Psalms 19, 119.10. The word of God is honey. Honey is sweet. Sometimes when you're going through a bitter day, read the word. You'd be surprised how the word will make you a sweeter person. But that's the way God made me. No, you, you, you haven't buried him yet. Like me or hate me, this is who I am. No. No, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. If you eat the word and the word is God and God is love, your character got to change. My character's got to change. He's honey. But for others, the Bible says Psalms 119, 105, the word of God is light. Thy word is a light to my foot and a light to my path. The Bible says in John 17, 17, that the word of God is truth. It says that the word of God is a mirror, James 1, 23. It says that the word of God is a water. It says that the word of God cleanses, that the word of God quenches, that the word of God refreshes, that the word of God is a seed, 1 Peter 23, that the word of God is a sword, Hebrews 4, 12, that the word of God is a hammer, Jeremiah 23, 30, 29, that the word of God can build you up, that the word of God can tell you down, that the word of God is fire. You would be surprised how, how much you would grow in the Lord you would be surprised how much fire you have for Jesus 
how much water you have in your drought, how much power you have in your weaknesses, how clean the water will make you, how much seed you have, if all you do is fall in love with the word of God. And David is saying, sitting in the throne, this is what makes you blessed. Not the palace, not the robe, not the crown, but that you have delight in the law of the Lord. Unfortunately, many are more concerned on the opinion of the ungodly than the word of God. We care what everybody has to say about us rather than what God has to say about us. We live our life trying to please everybody around us rather than what God says. We're more concerned of the wicked, the sinner and the mocker over the lighting and the law of the Lord. For some people, people's opinion of you keeps you up all night. Can't sleep, oh my God. She hasn't called me back. He hasn't said he was sorry. Oh my God, he hasn't liked my post. And, yet, and you know, you lose sleep over people's opinion of you. People's opinion of you keeps you bound. People's opinion of you does not allow you to focus on you and what God has for you. That's what God is saying. Stop trying to pursue the wicked and the scornful and the sinner. Just delight yourself in God's word. But you live your life trying to please people who are in your path. And all they're doing is keeping you stagnant in your walk. Think about, think about the, John said last week, that you are the average of the five people around you. Think about where have the five people around you taken you? Have you grown the past 365 years? Have you grown as a person? Have you grown in character? Have you grown spiritually? So, so I need to assess myself and say, God, God, how, how, how can I gauge my growth? Or am I surrounding myself with people that are going to... Make me feel good about me, but keep me sitting down in the place of the mockers, of the scornful, and of the sinner. I'd rather walk by myself like David did in Psalms 23 when he said, Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil because I'm not walking alone. You are with me. As a Christian church, you should have the light in the word of God. I wake up every morning, and my wife will tell you, I love to read the Word of God. I love to open that book and read and know that God is speaking to my heart. There's no better feeling. There's no better feeling when you open the Bible and you're, and you're opening and you're saying, God, you're going to talk to me right now. Like, like a boyfriend talks to a girl. Remember when you fell in love? Remember? You don't remember? You, love, love, love. you fell in love? I, you know, I, I met my wife in the Bronx. Right? Boogie down Bronx. Right? We, we, we used to hang out, right, and go on on dates. And, and uh, you know, we had to wear bulletproof vests because on the way there was gunshots. Right? Pat, 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 And I would, spend, I would spend long nights with my, with my girl in the streets, on the train. When it was hot, we would walk 183rd Webster Avenue 
all the way to 136 on Willis Avenue, walking with my boo. Hey, baby. And sometimes we will say foolishness to each other. But just the fact that I had the lover of my life next to me, ain't matter. And let me tell you, there, there was a lot of other pretty girls, and there was a, a lot of other good-looking guys all over the place. But I was in love, and I am in love with my boo. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And when it got cold, when it got cold, and we couldn't walk, because it was you know, cold in New York, we, we would, we would, we would, we would, we would get in the train and chill in the train. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And just go for train rides for like an hour. <laughs> just ride the train. And tell her how much I love her, how much she loves me. Because it mattered to me that the person I am in love with, I just wanted to hear. I, I didn't even care if she was going to tell me something theological or something informational. I just wanted to hear her voice. You had to see my wife when we was going out. Oh, my God. She was a little rajatabla back, you know, very conservative, long skirts and whatever. But, but, but there was something about my boo, oh my God, her, her hair and, 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 and her heels and, and her tight little, she looked like a penguin with her tight pants, skirts. And, uh, it was amazing. And I enjoyed, I found delight being with Petri in cold winters in the train station. I found the light being with Petri, walking 40, 50 blocks in the scorching sun just to be with my girlfriend. And when I wake up every morning, I wake up, Lord, 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 I want to hear your voice today. Lord, would you speak to me today, Lord? I don't want to fall in the trap of reading your book because I got to speak to your people. Lord, I just want to, I just want to hear you because I love you and I, and I want to have a relationship with you, God. And, and you matter more to me than the thing I do in the pulpit. You matter more to me than me preaching to the people. You matter more to me. And I know that as I build my relationship with you, I will know you more. I will love you more. I will worship you more. I will grow more. I will be better. I will be greater. So, Lord, help me. Church, what would happen if we all would fall in love with the Word of God? Not, 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 not the presence of God, but the Word of God. Every time God's presence showed up, it was to give a word. Every time, look at the scripture, whenever God's presence showed up, and the Lord God said, Moses, Moses. And the Lord God said, if my people and the Lord God said but we we, we we love more his presence than we do his words a Christian learns to make God's word his light we're talking about the path of a blessed believer we're talking about the pleasure of a blessed believer point number three the prosperity of a blessed believer he says, blessed is a man that does not walk, that does not stand, that does not sit. But he delights in the word of the law. Of, he delights in the law of the Lord both day and night. Verse 3, he's going to tell us. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. Now notice. This verse is a conditional verse. 
You know how many people that want to prosper, like what the Bible says? They want to bear fruit, like the Bible says. Lord, I want to bear fruit in my season. I want to blah, blah, blah. I get along. I want. And no, no, no. But this is the conditional verse. If you don't walk with the sinner, stand with the mockers, and sit with the scornful, then you will prosper. And this is why there's a lot of setback and frustration in the church. Because God, we, I thought that if I served you and I went to church, I was going to be blessed. No, God is saying, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the enemy. You cannot love me and love the world. It's, imagine, imagine. I walk to church with my wife on my left hand and my side chick on my right hand. Imagine. Hey, pastor, what's up? Yeah, hey, you met my wife? You met Hoochie number two? Imagine. Imagine, I can't have two women in my life. I can't worship two gods in my life. I can't have two, no. If I want to be blessed, then I got to say goodbye. If I want to be blessed. But many of us were after the blessing because we think that blessing is money. We think that blessing is stature, position. We think that blessing is where I live at. Blessing is understanding that if I walk with God, I will become unmovable, unshakable, like a tree planted. Now, 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 the tree being planted, the fruitfulness of that tree is not on the tree. Because when David's writing this, he's writing this in Israel. If you go to the Middle East, there's no beaches in the Middle East, at least where David, where Israel was at. You had the Sea of Galilee, which that was the lake, but I, well, I'll explain another day. But what I'm trying to tell you, where David, where David was at, he is saying, you can be stable, unshakable, immovable in your desert place. And here's why. Because if you're planted by the streams of water, which Jesus is that water that flows. If you're planted by Jesus, if you're anchored in Christ, it doesn't matter how desert-like your world could be or may be. There's something about being next to Jesus that Jesus can make you blossom in your most desert-like experience. Jesus can make you flourish in your most arid-like place. This is where the Lord wants to take us, church. Because there's a prosperity in being a blessed believer. When we live a life that honors God, he says, I will promise you that this condition will come to pass in your life only if you go away from the scornful, the mockers, and the sinners. When we live separated lives and feed our souls on God's word, then we can expect things to happen for us. And lastly, the position of a blessed believer. Where do I want to be? By the river. Somebody say, by the river. Where do I want to live life? I want to live life by the river. Because the river represents life. It represents resources. The believer who lives close to God will never be dry. He'll be vibrant. He'll be productive. In spite of your predicament, you'll be productive. The droughts of life and the dry season never seem to affect the believer who is planted near the river of God. Why? Because he is connected to the unfailing source of life and strength. 
today the Lord is saying, would you make the change? I'll close. I'll finish this another day. Would you, would you, would you close that door that keeps you going and walking with the sinners and standing with the mockers and sitting with the scornful and position yourself to delight and meditate in the law of the Lord. Meditate in the word of God. Fall in love with his words. Fall in love with the God that died for you. Church, we need to grow. We need to mature. We need to get that book out of our shelves and out of a box we have in storage somewhere. And we need to fall in love with the book. We need to go back to hearing God's words again. Many, many years ago, I purposed in my heart and I said, God, I don't ever want to hear from you by other people. I want to hear from you by you. So what do I do? I wake up every morning. And I talk to God. I wake up every morning. And I open the book. And I say, Lord, speak to my heart. Life is rough. Life is difficult. There's some decisions I'm going to wake up this morning and I have to make. I'm going to come across some last-minute impulsive decisions I may make. I'm going to have to come across some crises I did not prepare, Lord. But, Lord, would your word and your, and your thoughts be resonating in my heart 24 hours a day so that when I speak, you speak. So that when I talk, it sounds like I am your lover. That the poor can see I belong to you. This, my friend, is what it, it means to be blessed. To be blessed. David says, blessed is not the man who lives in the throne. Uh-uh. Blessed is not the man who sits on the throne. Uh-uh. Blessed is not the man who has grapes on his mouth. No. Blessed is not the man who has a servant with a fan. Blessed is the man who does not walk, does not stand, and does not sin with the mockers, with the scornful, and with the sinners. So I want to challenge you this afternoon to grow. Grow. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.